0: There's no one right way to life, wife, or parent.
1: I'm an empty nester with a full life. I'm a young mom who is sometimes running on empty. I am color in the lines. I'm running with scissors. I'm sensible shoes, sometimes taking myself far too seriously. I'm holding it together with
0: three bobby pins and a lot of self-deprecating humor.
1: I'm Aunt Mara. An emotional health therapist. I'm niece Kira, a wellness advocate. Together, we're Sandy and Shwani, bridging generations to pass down wisdom, uptake vitality, take whatever is bringing you down, and lift you up. Table talk with takeaways for an elevated life today. We're mood, mood mamas. mamas. All right. Today we want to talk about feelings and how feelings matter. In fact, they are matter. You might not have been aware of it consciously, but subconsciously you totally are. Like, have you ever just walked into a room where maybe somebody has been fighting and you can just feel that, that yucky energy, right?
0: Right. Cut the tension with a knife. Like, what did I just step into? But no one said a word. It's interesting how we can feel those vibrations.
1: Yes. And conversely, you can walk into a room where people are having a good time and it just totally lifts your mood and you just get in sync with it and you want to dance and party. And it's so great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Set and setting your mindset of how you're feeling. And then the setting
1: being, are we being receptive to the environment around us? And scientists have proved that we have these things called mirror neurons. It's actually kind of like a built-in little radar to sense what is going on around us. It's a survival program, truly. Obviously, if you walk in on something, it convinces you, maybe I better back out of the room. (laughs) Maybe I don't want to be part of this. Or, you know, you were lifted by others' moods. And so we are interconnected. That when I am with you, when I sit with you in your pain, I can share in that and I can be more of a source of support. I like what you said. That I can sit in your pain. I think we are designed
0: to have connections. We are designed to connect, and those mirror neurons influence that. And where does empathy come from? Besides that,
1: yeah. So I think it's important to remember that feelings are for us. They are a gift. They help us. Identify preferences, like people that we do want to spend time with, those people that you feel good in their presence. Maybe um, really important to trust that, what do you call it, like the creepy radar, like people (laughs) that just know, I probably can't trust what you're saying mine's turned down I think I get myself into a lot of
0: situations I need a a, a larger creepy radar be more skeptical I guess you're just so accepting of everyone Karen sure tell me your life story right here on this park bench that sounds
1: awesome You know, it reminds me when I was a child, my parents always took the Reader's Digest, and they would have these uh, short stories about books. And there was this book called *The Gift of Fear*, and it was by Gavin De Becker. It just really, really stuck with me. And it begins with this story of this woman who's carrying groceries up like a four story, five story walk up, you know, probably somewhere in New York. And there's a guy in the stairwell and her bag rips and, you know, some things start to fall out. And he looks like, oh, let me help you. And he kind of puts them back in. He's like, oh, you've got your hands full. Let me help you carry it. And her creep radar immediately goes off. And she's like, no, no, I've got this. I'm I'm totally okay. He's like, I'm such a gentleman. My mom raised me to be a gentleman. I can't let you do that. They continue up the stairs, and so they finally get to her apartment, and she's like, "Okay, you know, thank you so much. I've got it from here." And again, he just plays on this. Well, I'm just too polite to let you do this, you know. And I, I saw that you had some cat food, and I just feel terrible if your cat starves. And so he's totally pulling in on, on her heartstrings. He's like, "I promise, I won't hurt you." And so, against her better judgment, lets him in the apartment, and he obviously doesn't keep his promise. I just remember thinking. We need to trust those warning signals that happen with us. He was a serial killer. He'd actually killed all his victims. But what happened at the end of this story was when he was getting up out of the bedroom to leave, he got dressed and then he went to the window and closed the window and he said, stay right here. I'm just going to get a drink and I'll let you go. I promise I won't hurt you. She didn't know why, but as soon as he turned to go out, she just wrapped the sheet around her and followed him down the hallway. As he turned to go to the kitchen, she just opened the front door, walked out and went right across and walked into the neighbor's house and locked the door. When they were interviewing her after, they were like, how did you know that he wouldn't keep that promise? And she just said, I don't know. I mean, just somehow I knew. But then when they really broke it down, she's like, you know what? It was when he closed the window. When he closed the window, I knew that he didn't want there to be a sound when he was going to kill me. And he'd gone to the kitchen to find a knife. It's funny because you hear people say after they get divorced, they're like, oh, I just, I knew I shouldn't have married that person. And yet they discounted that, that internal warning signal. I think, wow, that is an incredible story. I mean, the gift of fear.
0: I've read articles talking about your brain picking up these patterns, your subconscious mind is doing this for you and you're not even aware. So that's your, your brain giving you these in- indicators, synthesizing that information, even if you're not fully conscious of it. That's interesting that she was also so aware of saying that's when it clicked by shutting the window. He didn't want to make a sound. She went into a state of shock or autopilot, but her instincts protected her. So when we watch the Ted Bundy uh, documentary and he's talking about Lake Sammamish I'm thinking one of my core values is to be helpful. So he goes up to all these women and he's got his arm in the brace and he says, can you help me get my boat onto my truck? And then also if he's attractive, I- I've told Cody, like, I would have been his next victim. <laughs> me, Lake Sammamish <laughs> Like, I would go with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> there would not be a radar. <laughs> Do you find that we're often quieting our instincts? Why, why do you think we do that? Is it culture? Is it you know, family relationships? Is it
1: you know, what people expect of us? What has taught us to not listen to ourselves? My guess, the dynamic of growing up in your home. There's, there are people who don't feel like they have a voice. They don't feel like they were heard and where their opinion matters. And so they just feel like they have to go along even if they know it's not comfortable for them. And I think what happens is depending on the childhood that you have, you can develop a victim energy, which is really scary because once you have that victim energy, it's almost like people sense it and they'll pick on you.
0: Gravitate.
1: Like how many victims of abuse end up
0: reliving it over, painfully reliving it over, not that it's their fault, but that's interesting. Victim energy, seeking out perpetrators rather than people that would empathize.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a magnetic pull, and people can sense that. So, those people who are bullies or attacking type personalities, they sense that weakness just the same way that animals you know, in the wild, they are able to identify the weaker one in the herd and, you know, call call them out. I mean, bear attacks practice like, I look really big. (laughs) I'm making a lot of noise. I am not going to be an easy prey. You're right. Right. And so they've even had, you know, courses where they teach women how to, how to walk to your car through the parking lot, you know, Confidently striding. Uh, I remember. Keys are talking, in between. Your keys in between. Your keys. <laughs> yes, keys are in between. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a predator would be looking for that, that different sort of energy, somebody who's fumbling around. And, and we don't like to think that that could happen to us. Obviously, getting attacked in a parking lot is probably a rare occurrence, but getting attacked by others in our everyday life, that can happen. People berating you in line, people, the way they interact with you, you know, our energy sends that signal I will accept that. Or I won't like we set clear boundaries, right? Just by our body language. So our
0: feelings are becoming not just intrinsic of how we feel, but it's affecting the way that we move, the way that we interact the friends that we seek out, where we want to spend our time and how we choose the boundaries that we're setting, even with our family and our, our spouses,
1: our most closest people. Wow. That is really interesting. So it is interesting that just with gender roles. So women, we always talk about, oh, you know, feminine intuition, you know, women's intuition. And for men, it's more like, oh, yeah, I had a gut feeling about that. But while I'm kind of mocking it, the truth is there is a brain and body connection. In fact, studies have shown that 95% of the body's serotonin, which is involved in mood control, um, depression, is found in our intestines, not in our brain. So we actually do have two brains. We have our thinking one and our feeling one. Gut gut bacteria, it's the second brain, I've heard it.
0: Wow. I'm sure you could look up all the other neurotransmitters. Like where's dopamine? Is that your, your adrenal gland? So is that from your heart palpitations? Like, wow.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that is really big stuff. So the body doesn't lie. We sometimes separate that thinking in our mind. But if we trust the signals that our body sends, that racing heart, that difficulty breathing, that churning in the stomach, the butterflies, those are all warning signals that we can trust.
0: How do you be more in tune with that? If you've been taught that you have to keep everything internal, maybe feelings are not okay to be expressed. Do you think you could just end up numb? You're back to discounting even your own thoughts,
1: telling yourself just to get over it and not validating even yourself or having compassion for that. Yeah, I think that can easily happen. It's like any other skill. It takes practice to start to identify what am I feeling. Where I live in Idaho, we always have beautiful skies, big blue sky and clouds. And so do you remember as a kid when you would try to identify the different shapes in the clouds? Oh, that looks like a rabbit. That's a dragon. And see those different cloud shapes. And you would watch you know, by the time you pointed it out to someone and got them on the right cloud, it was like, well, it did look like an elephant. I swear there was a trunk. and <laughs> Now it's a little bit distorted, but can't you see it? <laughs> right. And so it's the same thing with emotions. So recognize that emotions come through, you know, whether someone else sees it or not, we can identify it for ourselves. And then also when we have a negative feeling, trusting that it's fleeting, it is going to shift. And awareness is really, really important to just start to be aware of, oh, I'm sensing, I noticed this feeling. I'm all about
0: awareness. So I did this guided meditation the other morning and it had me sit up in bed, which most of them let you sleep in. You know, you can (laughs) still lay there on the bed. This one was like, so I want you to sit up. I'm like, okay, all right, we'll do that. And then it said it wanted me to find a part of my body that felt good. I'm like, I just woke up. I mean, not that I'm that old, but you just woke up. It's, you know, my back kind of aches and I'm really tired and my eyes just want to close. And, you know, some things are, some, are stiff. So I really tried to think about it. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, my pinky, my pinky feels pretty good. You know, it's not carrying any weight. It's doing hanging it out there on my hands. I'm sitting up, but there's no pressure on it. And it said, okay, now that you have that body part, Take that feeling and let it grow, so it's having me focus my awareness just on my pinky finger I'm like, okay, yeah, I wish my whole body felt like my little pinky finger unburdened, untasked, <laughs> just there, <laughs> and oh my gosh, I felt so good after that. the awareness when you say that it's fleeting, so if I'm feeling negative, you think by identifying it and then knowing that that can shift, or should I try to
1: shift it or how how do I mitigate that situation? I think it's both. I mean, I think the awareness and just saying, wow, you know, this feels really yucky right now. Always reaching for a better feeling, always reaching for the thing I want. Like, oh, okay, wow. And I think breath is so powerful in shifting things. Just imagine if you feel that tension in your body and just imagine mm-hmm. blowing it out. And so I use a little trick with clients and and little kids all the time when I'm trying to help them shift moods and get rid of feelings they don't want. I have them imagine they have a balloon and I have them blow three puffs into like to blow that balloon up. And then I have them imagine tying it off, looking at what color it is. Colors are very symbolic, even if we're not aware of it. And then pretending that you'd blown helium into it and that you could just let that feeling float away. And there's something about the number three that's really powerful. So those three big puffs. And instead of just like saying, breathe in three times, like when you're blowing up a balloon, you've really got to accept It has intention. Yeah. So you're, you're pushing that energy out. Then once we release, we want to claim something better. We want to We want to bring some new energy back in, whatever that looked like. If adding a zip fizz packet to a bottle of water or smelling a favorite essential oil or flour, you know, just something, just bringing that back in or feeling like standing under an imaginary waterfall and just letting the feeling that you want, because we do get to set intention. We do get to claim our life by intention. And so many times we just are on autopilot. We're just defaulting. to to the lowest setting when we can raise our vibration.
0: I really love that. So I love how you said that, when you're talking about the feeling that you're experiencing, you're not pushing it down. You're not necessarily trying to get rid of it in a way that's downward. That's more of like internal. We just, we don't want that to show right now. We're actually saying we can let this go. And that yes, we're bringing other feelings into us, but maybe they're already there. Like that by having that intention, we're just choosing to be like our pinky finger rather than our heavy heart at the moment or our stiff neck. It's less owning of the feeling and
1: more accepting that it can go and, and new yeah. ones can come in. That ebb and flow of things happening. The other thing I wanted to mention about that the body doesn't lie, the body, when we have symptoms of pain, Whether it's physical or emotional pain, it really is just like a red warning light on your car saying, uh, check your engine or check your brakes, Cody. (laughs) Right, check the brakes, Cody. It's going to be a fun day for me. (laughs) Looking at what the body is trying to tell you. So if your shoulders are hurting, it's like, what feels like a burden to you? That's where we carry that load, that tension and that stress. So many. I know it's always in my traps. If your lower back's hurting, where are you feeling unsupported? I've worked with families that have children who have chronic earaches. And so when you ask the question, what is it they don't want to hear? All of a sudden, the parent kind of gets a little still and they're like, oh, yeah, there has been a lot of fighting going on. So, you know, your ears stuff up when there's things you just don't want to hear. Your throat coughing, that is a signal of something suppressed, like something you're just dying to spit out. And you're just like choking on your words. Oh
0: my gosh, that's so intuitive. I'm just, I'm blown away right now. Yeah.
1: So anything with your lower half, your lower legs, knees, feet, ankles, all of that is where don't you feel like you can move forward? The colon, digestive things, like what can you process? What can't you let go of? Especially constipation is like, what can't you let go of? What are you holding on to? And then my all-time favorite is bladder infections. What are you pissed about? <laughs> <laughs> What are you pissed about?
0: Goodness. I <laughs> I really like that. I mean, polyvagal theory. So emotions affecting the body. I know what your vagus nerve is. Right. Vagus nerve. So the polyvagal theory is that you have your vagus nerve, but that there's a hierarchy for the nervous system. So you have autonomic, sympathetic, and then the vagus nerve, which is just supposed to be like health growth restoration, keep things baseline the theory is when your sympathetic nervous system has been in chronic duress, so stress, fight or flight, so much constant basis that your vagus nerve starts saying, Hey, you guys aren't doing a good enough job. I need to help out. And you get a lot of that freeze aspect of it's now being recruited for defense and it doesn't defend the body well. So you end up with Gastrointestinal problems, low libido, heart palpitations, or low blood pressure. So that there is something physiological
1: along with psychological. Yes, yes, and that's exactly panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Those are real, those are real physical responses, but they are in response to an idea or a thought in the mind that I am not safe.
0: You know, or it's even scarier because it's not just an ailment that you could take, you know, something for necessarily
1: a lot you've got to do some work on yourself it's not just one one pill fixes all and so uh, accepting and identifying that in your body and saying thank you body I hear you even just acknowledging that symptom it's like oh my mom and your nana you know she's dealing with some early onset symptoms and I came home from a family reunion and I had kind of like tennis elbow and I was like oh yeah well you know I did water ski I did mountain bike and then it couldn't grab anything. Like I just couldn't hold on to anything. It hurts so bad to squeeze. I couldn't even spray hairspray on my hair. <laughs> and and so I asked myself, what is this message? What is my body trying to tell me? Okay, I can't grasp. What is it that I can't grasp? I couldn't grasp that my mom might not know me. Like at that reunion, that was the first time that there were days when I thought she doesn't know who I am. She's faking it. I would go up and hug her and she would be, you know, loving as she is to everyone and everything. But there wasn't that spark of recognition in her eyes for me. So I had to work through those emotions that my body was saying, you've got to process that this, this is a journey and it doesn't mean she doesn't love you and she doesn't remember you. It totally separate those two things that are going on in the world and how I'm interpreting it. Because if I take, when she doesn't know me, it's because she didn't love me enough to remember me. We're going to have a problem going forward, right?
0: Right. So you're validating yourself in that aspect. You're saying it's okay that you don't understand. We just need to we need to work through this so that it doesn't cause physical ailment. That is so. You really have to take a look at yourself in the mirror at that point and and own them, but also understand that they're just thoughts and perspectives. And you were able to shift your perspective out of choice. You you were able to set your intention and and know where you were getting hung up. That is that is incredible. Okay, so when I found out about Nana, my whole heart, like the, my, it felt like my sternum, everything was heavy, it felt like I was very aware of the inside of my body and it felt like twisted kind of.
1: and heavy hearted is a real thing. It's like okay. something is weighing on your heart. I mean, that's, that word actually really does describe it. It's the grief. It's the sorrow that's just, that's weighing on you we can honor that. Sometimes we help it shift just by sharing it, just letting somebody else kind of take that shared load with us for a little bit and, and honoring that. And when we tell our body, yes, thank you. I hear you. Then it can start to let go of that signal. Pain is just an indicator, just like that red warning light. Something needs attention. Something needs to change here. I just want the code thing. You know, when you go to AutoZone or
0: Checker, or I guess it's not called Checker anymore, but O'Reilly, and they can just plug it in and tell you. <laughs> it's a list of codes, but gives you some indicators. I guess that's why we have people like you, where I, I can give you all of these codes that mean nothing to me and you can help
1: me sparse what could, what could I did not pioneer the idea. A lot of people have heard of Louise Hayes and she has a book called you can change your life. And she has a long list. And then there have been others since then there's different um, modalities of healing body code and, and um, emotion code and things like that. So there are other people who are definitely diving into that because the data correlates so much that it is typically these feelings or these thoughts that contribute to this physical symptom. I mean, they did this with
0: brain work and and dream work, and that's something we don't know a lot about. But the fact that we're talking about in physical, it feels so intuitive. It feels like, you know, when you hear something, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, like common sense. Why wouldn't we investigate that? Why wouldn't we think that there's a correlation there? And why do we separate physical elements from emotion? Like why are there even two different departments?
1: Why aren't we treating a whole person, a whole body? The hope is that they will start to treat you holistically, that you will, they will treat the whole person. When you get rushed in and out of a doctor's office, you don't really have time to process that. And my brother is a chiropractor, and he said it's amazing. Yeah, people come in for the adjustments, but so much more. They just want to share their pain, and the, and it's not just the physical pain. It's like, and my back hurts, and my son is doing this, and so he finds himself in a counseling role, uh, you know, or just even a listening role. So much of the time, validating that emotional pain just as much as the physical. Is that what holistic means? I'm going to sound really naive
0: here. Holistic, the whole person. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean,
0: I assumed it, I guess I've, I've never looked at what that word meant. I just thought it meant an alternative.
1: And it's rest. not alternative.
0: It's the right. whole person. It's the whole body, the spirit, the mind. Why is it looked at like alternative in Western culture? They've been doing this forever in the East. Like marketing. It's marketing. <laughs>
1: marketing. Well, let's market to holistic. Yes. Whole <laughs> I said that feelings matter. They are matter. And so in physics, they say that matter cannot be destroyed. It can only be altered. It can be changed. And so we do have that power to shift those feelings. One of my favorite studies was done by Masuro Emoto. And he took spring water, he labeled jars with different emotions, like gratitude love hate bitterness anger and then they froze the water crystals and what was amazing is when you looked at it under a microscope it made different patterns so the the loving kind words they made these beautiful snowflake crystals and then the bitterness the anger the hate those just made ugly ugly asymmetrical patterns and so he was actually able to measure that the energy we put into the room the energy with which we do something can affect the physical realm. Since our body's 70% water, I think it's important that we recognize how emotions do affect us.
0: So with the water, they, he was talking into the jars, like saving that word, or how did the jars recognize?
1: They labeled the jars. They just like stuck a label on it that just said love or gratitude. So I had a friend who, she said, well, okay, I'm going to try this experiment with rice because supposedly you could do this. So their family, they took two jars, they cooked rice, they sealed the mason jars. And then one of them was like, I love you. And one was "I hate you. So every time they'd see the jar, they would say those words to the jars. She said that the jar that said, I hate you turned moldy and gross. You know, it's all sealed in there. And she said that I love you jar just stayed white rice. She's like, there was no explanation for how that, how that would work.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. That is really interesting, moldy and gross. And if you can see it physically, maybe we're not seeing the correlation because it's on the inside. If we could see it in front of us, we wouldn't want to say the things that we do. We wouldn't want to feel the things that we do. We wouldn't want to be such so harsh on ourselves.
1: So I think the takeaway from this would be to learn to name, name without claiming. So naming, but not claiming like I feel unhappy versus I am unhappy. I am statements are really powerful. I am is like the core of who I am. So if I say I am unhappy, that's an identity. That's not a fleeting feeling. Right. Versus like you're going through something. I'm experiencing
0: anxiety versus I am anxious. Yeah. I'm experiencing stress, not I am stressed. Once you articulate that, then maybe things spiral. Well, I can't do it because I'm, I can't, I can't do it. That language can
1: shift a lot of things. Even with a medical diagnosis saying I have cancer versus I'm experiencing cancer. You know, I have it. It's like you're owning it. I belong, you know, it belongs to me. So we don't want things like that to belong to us. We want to just experience it. I'm experiencing those symptoms and then just trusting that it it will just flow through. It will just flow through my arthritis versus the arthritis versus my arthritis.
0: Right. So in English language, we say, how did you break your arm? Allowing ownership with that. You're claiming it rather than my arm is broken Mm -hmm. or the arm is broken. Yeah. Why do we have to blame and claim all the things that are experienced as in we cause this somehow? Some instead of just that this is a life experience, this is a physiological experience. This is what a normal, like this is normal parameters that don't have to
1: be a part of our personality. Yeah. And and sometimes I think we get into a way of thinking where if you have a down period of time that you start to feel like you're always feeling like that. And so there are simple tools that you can use. You can just get the square graph paper and just every day color it in Red, yellow, or green. Today was a good day. Like overall, just give yourself a rating for the day and start to track it because I think it's really important to look back and be like, you know what? There were a lot of green days. And yeah, I may may have had like three red days in a row here, but look at all that green. Like overall for the month, I'm a generally happy person. Like life is pretty good. They have, you know, smartphone apps one of my favorites is it's called mood meter. And so it will let you pick in different quadrants. And I love the colors of it. It's very scientific. So you, you know, you might pick that you're experiencing, (laughs) that you're experiencing discouragement. And then it says, would you like to upgrade to a better mood? And then it will give you like different words to choose from. So, so you I
0: have to be actively engaged if you're going to sit in your, if you're going to sit in your wallow, like you're going to wallow, you're in, in with your woes. No, no, I'm not. I don't,
1: I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, no <laughs> I don't need that. No, we don't want help. <laughs> <laughs> so just remembering, you know, we were talking about this mood is, is kind of got a negative connotation. Oh, well, she's in a mood, but mm-hmm. what if we just embrace that there is a whole spectrum of moods and that we want to make sure that we're trying to stay above the line we feel like we're sinking below the line in mood, what would help me get above the line? What do I need to let go of so that, I, so that I can float? Or what do I need to grab onto to pull me up?
0: I love that. Okay, so above
1: the line, what is this line? Tell me more about the line. This is like the flatlining in life. I feel like that's, that's just getting by, but we, we don't wanna live- Autopilot. Yeah, or just, yeah, getting through the day. When we get overwhelmed, all those emotions, they have a heavy vibration and they bring you down. And so that's why we have to let go of something to rise or reach for something. And then you can just feel the happiness come up when you're getting elevated. Elevated.
0: I love that. I mean, how many times have you just had a bad day? It's just a bad day. It's not
1: a bad life. Exactly. Exactly that's a perfect place to end. So I hope you'll join us for future episodes. This is Sandy and Juani. <laughs> and we are the Moon, moon. The- signing off for today.